Amen. Again, glad that you're here. Glad that you're here every single week. want to encourage you uh, every single week to be thinking about who you can invite, who you can grab to bring with you, maybe a, a co-worker, a friend, somebody to, to call and say, hey, meet me there. But we every week, I tell you, we want to see our men's lunch continue to grow uh, on, on Thursdays. Again, one of, the, one of the greatest things I think we're doing as a church is our, is our men's power lunch. And, and the big part of it is ears to hear. And so if you'll be diligent in inviting those uh, every single week that can join you on Thursday. Today we're going to keep moving verse by verse through 2 Peter. We've gone through the letter of 1 Peter. We're now moving into the third chapter of 2 Peter. Today we're going to look at just two verses as we start the third chapter. Now as we move into the final chapter of Peter's second letter. Now let me go ahead and I'll just read the two verses together and then we'll come back and look at those verses. Uh, if you have your Bible, open it, 2 Peter chapter 3, today verses 1 and 2. And I want to encourage you every week, if you can, bring your Bible uh, and, and it'll help us in our process of, of seeing this is the word from God. So 2 Peter chapter 3, today verses 1 and 2, it says this. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Let me read that again. Just two simple verses today. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Now, as we begin today, remember the context here. Peter has written to Christians who have been pushed out of Jerusalem for their faith in Jesus Christ. They have been persecuted. They are being persecuted. And because of that persecution, they have been pushed out of Jerusalem. Many of them are beaten. Some of them are put in jail. A lot of them, their property rights are taken away from them. And the intense persecution pushes them out of Jerusalem. Well, in that process, they now find themselves uh, really as strangers in a strange land. They're living in places that were not their homes. Uh, they've been pushed out, and so they find themselves living in these different cultures. And now in that context, they're trying to live as followers of Jesus Christ, really in a world that does not know Jesus Christ. Well, into that context, into that situation, Peter writes to give them encouragement. In both of these letters, you can see a lot of encouragement, but more than that, he writes these two letters to give them instruction. Uh, this is what you expect. This is what you're to do. Very simply, this is how you're to live as a Christian in the world. Now, if you think about that today, isn't that our need today? Isn't that our situation today? Don't we need to know how to live as Christians in a world that doesn't know Jesus Christ? Don't we need to know how to live as a Christian in a world that even today hates Jesus Christ? Wouldn't you like God to say, you know what, here's how you live, here's what you can expect, and here's how you endure as a person endeavoring to live as a Christian in a world that hates Jesus Christ. And that is the context of both letters. That's the context of our verses today. This first verse says this. This is now the second letter I'm writing to you. Peter says, starts the third chapter, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you. 
So what that is saying here is it is the same audience, those same Christians pushed out by persecution, and it is the same situation, trying to live as a Christian in a world that doesn't know Jesus Christ. So he says, here's the second letter. It's going to the same audience, and it's addressing the same situation. Then he says this. I'm writing to stir up your sincere mind by way of reminder. That's what he's saying here. He's writing to stir up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Now, this is pretty important here. Let's look at, let's look at these words. He's writing to stir up our sincere mind, your sincere mind, by way of reminder. He says, I'm writing this letter in fact, really writing these letters to stir up, to stir up. Now that means, that word for stir up there in the original language means to disturb or to agitate. It's, a, it's an a, aggressive word, to agitate or really in its base understanding, it is to provoke into movement. And think about that. If you stir something up, you're agitating something. You're not letting it rest. You're not letting it sit there in its original state. You are disturbing something when you stir something up. And more than that, you are provoking it into movement. So you take a glass of something and you stir it up. You provoke it into movement. You agitate it. You provoke it into a movement. Again, so he says he's writing to stir something up. He's writing to disturb. He's writing to provoke into action. And then he says this. He's, he's writing to stir up your sincere mind. Now, all of these words are going to be very important. Your sincere mind. The word sincere means pure or uncontaminated or the part that is completely clear. You know what? Sometimes our mind's kind of foggy. Sometimes our mind is, is distorted in different places. He says, I'm writing to the part of your mind that is clear. I'm writing to the part of your mind that can understand. He's writing to disturb, to provoke into action your sincere mind. Now this is a big thing and it's, it's really the point of our whole lesson today and that is this. Notice here what he is writing to stir up. He's not writing to stir up their emotions. You know what, you're here and everybody's against you and it's hard to persevere and these things have happened to you and your family and so he wants to, to push an emotional response. He's not writing to stir up their emotions. He's not writing to stir up their hearts. Oh, you need to be strengthened in your heart. He's not writing to stir up their heart. He's not writing to stir up their resolve. Man, you're gonna need a resolve for these days. He doesn't say the point of the letter is to stir up your resolve or your commitment. He says he's writing to stir up and to provoke into action your mind, your mind. Get this today. For Christians to endure in a world that does not know Jesus Christ, for Christians to stand in a world that's even opposed to Jesus Christ, you're gonna have, we're gonna have to have the right mind and we're gonna have to use our mind. Peter just talked for the entire second chapter about false teachers and their false teachings. That, that entire second chapter, it took us four weeks to go through it. That entire second chapter was about false teachers and false teachings, 
understand today, then as well, but today as well, there is a battle going on. And the battleground is in your mind. The battleground is for your mind. So understand, we have to possess the right information. We have to possess the truth. And we have to embrace it in our intellect. We have to hold it in our minds. Now let me just say this. Christianity is not a mindless pursuit. I think, I think that's a, a failing of the last 20 years is we've tried to take it and, and apply it to the, to the least common denominator. We've tried to make it a, a mindless pursuit. You can just check your mind out and if you'll just say this one prayer, if you'll just believe this one name, everything's gonna get smooth and we've tried to make it a mindless pursuit. Listen to me, Christianity is not a mindless pursuit. It requires our mind. Look at church today. Look at the songs we sing today. There is a dumbing down of the Christian faith today. You know what? It takes our minds, and it takes our minds being thoughtful and our minds being correct and filled with the truth. It takes our mind to endeavor as a Christian today. Let me just tell you this, and I I sat there and thought about this. We could talk about, man, look what the church has done today. Look what the home is doing today. Look at our society today. And I go back, you know what? I believe there's a couple places this start. I believe it starts with men for sure. But I want to tell you, I believe maybe the downfall of men today is we have been led to discount. We have been led to disengage our minds. Isn't that the truth? Look, Look at the culture today. Look at... Look at what's portrayed today of men. Men today are portrayed as dumb. You ever watch TV anymore? Men are portrayed as dumb. In fact, men are celebrated as dumb. It's a, it's a celebrated thing to be, to be a dumb man. And, and you watch today and the, the general idea, and we're raising our sons to think the same thing, the general idea is if you'll take some dumb man and you'll give him a belly full of food, maybe he has a bunch of chicken wings, and you put a six-pack in his lap and you turn on ESPN, that he'll just sit there dumb as a rock. Isn't that our culture? Well, Tony Romo did this. Well, they did that. Well, the Rangers are trading for them. Get you another beer and sit there and eat some wings. And we're teaching our kids, you know what? This is a mindless pursuit, our life, especially our Christian faith. Thinking about that, you know, that show came on, came on, I think, in the early 90s. There was a day that Al Bundy was a joke. Today, Al Bundy is the standard. Sit around and put your hand in your pants and watch TV. That's, that's the standard. Peter says, and, he, and he's trying to get their attention here. Really, when we get to the next few weeks, you're going to see the urgency. Peter is saying, listen, this is serious. Listen, this is real. Listen, the consequences are dire. And it's your wife and it's your kids and it's your home and it's your marriage and it's our church and our mission to follow Jesus Christ. He says, listen, there are eternities at stake and it's going to require the use of our mind. First Peter, the first letter, he says, we have to be sober-minded, serious-minded. Number one reason, and it's happening, number one reason our kids are not walking away from our faith, they're running away from our faith. 
And they're, and they're not doing it in practice. Most of them don't come back and say, I've decided I'm an atheist. They've become practically practicing atheists. But the reason the kids are leaving our faith today is we, we've just portrayed it as stupid. We've portrayed it as illogical. We've portrayed it as a superstition. Something bad happens, well, we'll turn back to the superstition. And so they've gotten the idea they, they can't trust in it. They can't put their intellect in it add up because it's the truth. And so they're leaving our faith. Men, is the creation account in Genesis literal? Does it matter? If it is, why is that important? Is, men, is, is, is this really the word of God? Is this the word of God? How do you know it's the word of God? We can't trust this. How do you know it's the word of God? Was Jesus really dead? Do you know how absurd that is, three days dead? Was Jesus really dead and then resurrected? Or or is it symbolic of something else? Was it a spiritual transformation? How do you know he was dead? Does it matter? What about all these other religions? Think about that. Our, Our greatest thing today is tolerance of all other religions. Can all these other religions be wrong? Seriously, they're all wrong? Is, is, is that what you're saying? Based on what? And here comes our, our, our son and our daughter. We say, well, you better go ask your mom. Or, or better yet, we just, we just avoid the subject and say, you know what, Tony Romo never could win the big one. We turn away from the the focus, the fact that, you know what, it's going to require our minds. Peter says, I'm writing to you to provoke you to use your mind, to take your mind and to put it into motion. Then he tells us how. Here's how we put our minds into motion. Here's how he provokes it to stir it up to be in action. It says this, by way of reminder, last of the verse, by way of reminder, remind means to bring back, it just makes sense, to bring back to mind. It literally means to bring back into the view of your mind. Think about that. You can think about something and you get down the road and it's gone, it's out of the view of your mind. He says, you know what, this is how we, this is how we stir up our mind by taking something and putting it back in the view of our mind by reminding ourselves. And so he stirs up the mind by bringing back to mind Verse two, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. The words that were spoken by the prophets and the words and the commands of Jesus spoken by the apostles. Listen to me today, that is talking about the Bible. He is talking about the word of God. He's talking about the Bible. He says he's going to go and stir up their minds. He's going to provoke their minds into action by bringing to mind the Word of God, the Bible. Today, do you see how this fits? Do you see how this is starting to fit together today? There is an attack on the truth. There's an attack on the truth because it is the truth that saves. It is the truth that brings salvation. It is the truth that points to Jesus Christ. There is an attack on the truth and it happens in your minds and the way to stand against it and the way to know the truth and the way to hold the truth is by remembering, bringing back into view the word of God. I'm starting to sound like a a broken record. 
And I, I go, and I wonder, you can just take a tape and, and replay it. It's the same message, it seems like. I'm starting to sound like a broken record. Listen to me. What we need today is a revival of the word of God. We need a returning to the word of God. We need a reestablishing of the foundation of the word of God. We talk about, well, these politicians. I don't care about politicians. Well, the gun laws. You know what? Do what you want with the gun laws. We need a returning to the word of God a revival of the word of God. Well, look at our kids today. You know what our kids need? They need a revival of the word of God. Let me tell you something. I'm gonna be honest. If your home is going to last, and if your home is gonna be what God intended for it to be, brother, it better be founded upon the word of God. And I wanna tell you, even more scary than that, if your kids are gonna grow up And if they're gonna know and they're gonna be able to stand in a sorry, messed up world, they're gonna need the foundation of the word of God. And I wanna tell you personally, if you're ever gonna make it, if you're gonna persevere in this cause, if you're not gonna be tossed over here or pulled over there, you yourself are gonna have to be directed by the word of God. Peter says, two verses, that's why I'm writing First Peter, second Peter, that's why I'm writing to stir up in your mind a reminder of bringing back into view the word of God. Today, this Thursday, and I, we can sit here and knock each other out and beat each other up and say, I wish I'd have done this different. I wish I'd have had this focus at 26 or at 16 or 36. Today, I'm gonna draw a line for today. You know what, today the biggest return you can get in, in how you spend your time is to spend it in the word of God. I'm 74 years old. Who cares? The biggest return you can get is spend your time in the word of God. I'm 60 years old. I'm 28 years old. The biggest return you can get on the investment of your time is to spend it in the word of God. The most important thing you can know, listen, the world is getting wicked. The truth is being jerked out from under us. Jesus is coming again very soon. The most important thing you can know is found right here in the word of God. But be very sure it comes back to you. Not your preacher, not your granny. Oh, my granny, my granny, not your granny, not your wife. My wife does that in our house, not your wife. You have to put your mind into action by stirring it up, by bringing back into view the word of God. That's how you will stand. That's how you will live. That's how you will endure. That's how you exist for the glory of the living God. You have to invest your time in the word of God. Nobody can do it for you. It comes back to you. So Peter says here, that's why I am writing. That we would bring to view again the word of God. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you were here today. Pray that it was personal today. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. I'm thankful for the folks in this room and we're thankful that we have the grace of God that forgives us as idiots, as sinners, as liars, as cheaters, that forgives us, that restores us in our relationship to a holy God that brings us and gives us eternal life through Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that you didn't cast us off. 
I'm thankful that you didn't write us off, but you sent Jesus in your grace and your love to save us as sinners. And I pray for some in this room that haven't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today, on this day, they might be saved. Put their faith, Lord, in Jesus. I pray for us here today that have made that decision. I pray that we wouldn't be tricked by the lure and the, the things and really the prince of this world to put our minds in neutral. But we would understand it's a renewing of the mind. It's a changing of the mind. It's an it's a entering in the truth to our mind that equips us to serve, a workman approved for every good work. Help us be people of your word. Lord, I pray for the men here today. Bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, and then use us for your glory. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.